0: This is Outside Shots, a college basketball betting podcast with Eli Hershkovich. Seven seconds to go, three-pointer. Oh, Double water. Covering game-by-game odds and futures markets. It's Outside Shots, presented by the Lions.
1: shake, crossover, step. Another edition of Outside Shots presented by thelines.com. Recording here on Tuesday, so a couple days before the dance. And before we get started with the guest virtually to my right, I'll introduce him in just a moment. Remember to give the video a thumbs up, subscribe, and ring that bell to get notifications whenever the Lions releases a betting video on any sports betting market for college basketball, March Madness, whatever sport it may be. Remember to ring the bell to get notifications. And The Lines has also given away a $25 gift card and a heck of a lot more in our March Madness Betting Contest. For more details, head over to play.thelines.com and last but not least, join The Lines Discord betting channel to get notifications when myself or anyone else of our staff, from our staff, places bets on the big dance. But without further ado, it is time to introduce my guest and it's been a long time coming because he and I have known each other for a long time in the Twitter sphere his name is Eric Haslam the owner the operator the founder of Haslametrics and you can follow him on Twitter by that title at Haslametrics what's going on tonight Eric
0: Oh uh, Well, it's the start of the NCAA tournament, so it's Christmas morning for myself and a lot of people, so the five-month marathon is kind of coming down to the stretch run, so looking forward to the big games coming up, especially on Thursday and Friday. Don't give me a script here.
1: I wanted to hear some. Yeah, we have known each other for a long time. and We're doing our first video, but I, I, I get it. I get it.
0: Long overdue, long overdue. And I was like, yeah, when I realized I was like, yeah, we have never really done this before. And we've been talking behind the scenes on Twitter for a long, long time. And just for whatever reason, it just never matched up until now. And hey, you know, better late than never, huh? <laughs> Of course.
1: And this guy is going to give you a lot of great information, including his influence on the betting market, believe it or not, when it comes to college basketball. But Eric, I want to start off with kind of going back into your past a little bit. How did you get started and how did you first create or I guess when did you first create Haslametrics and what goes into your ratings and rankings themselves?
0: Yeah. So, so Haslametrics, I've been a big fan of the tournament going back to, I fell in love with the tournament way back in 1990. That's how I'm dating myself. I'm, you know, I'm 48 years old. I'm kind of a relic now. Fell in <laughs> love with it that, that, that year of the loyal Loyola Marymount team in 1998 or 1990 after Hank Gathers died. And I'd be the first to rush out to get that USA Today with all the team summaries. Um, the, the day after selection Sunday, that was back in the nineties. Well, you know, I, as time went along, I, I started messing around with metrics into the early 2000s. And, and as time went along, I saw other people kind of doing the same thing. And I'm like, well, I have the engineering background. I can, I can, I have the computer science background. I can pull all this information off the internet. And I kind of wanted to do it my own way because I know a lot of people really kind of subscribed to that old Dean Oliver mentality of the four factors. And I said, well, I don't want to recreate the wheel. I kind of want to do things my own way. And what am I trying to accomplish? I just want to, Try to figure out who the best teams are in basketball. And so I took it from a standpoint of shooting and scoring. And I broke things down and said, hey, I'm going to kind of take an approach of looking at where teams shoot on the court. Are they are they obtaining a lot of opportunities from near proximity, from mid-range, from the three-point line? Um, Are they getting to the foul line very often? And then I'm thinking of situations where you have higher scoring percentages, like second chance putbacks, quick points off of steals. How often are you creating those situations for yourself? And then once you take all of these and you kind of create a big matrix for yourself, and you're able to gauge the percentages of how well they perform in each of these different areas in the matrix, you can kind of create this spider web then of comparisons. With this matrix, with other matrices, um, other teams... And you use these transitive comparisons behind the scenes to just kind of create this gigantic spider web of data. And when you do that, it just kicks out the results. And I think it's not all that different from the strategies that other analytics people use. I just come at it from a different direction, I think. I like to think of it, we arrive in the center, but they might come from the south. I may come from the north. And it's just a different means of getting there.
1: And Eric actually is included on our website over at the lines.com. We have a bracket per, I think, four advanced metric sites, and Haslametrics is one of them. So if you haven't checked it out yet, be sure to do so. Over at the lines.com, looking at straight up picks like a normal traditional bracket would showcase, not against the spread picks like we have in the lines contest over at play.thelines.com. But Eric, you started to tell me this story before we got started. I said, Nope, to hell with it. I am cutting you <laughs> off because it is a great story. So I teased this a little bit at the beginning. When you think about how betters operate for the betters out there, college basketball novice batters, even the average mid-level to or <laughs> professional sports batters in a sense. Take a look at your ratings and your projected spreads. Even though they're not necessarily projected spreads, they could be considered that when you look at, again, game projections on a game-by-game basis at any point of the college basketball season. So is that weird for you? Again, I know you think about, other bettors looking at sites like Kempom and and Torvik and shot quality has become a bit more normalized. But how insane is it to you that Haslametrics is almost used on a daily basis in the betting sphere?
0: Yeah, and it's, it's kind of funny because I didn't kind of think I was going to end up here. When I started, <laughs> you know, when I reached out to a lot of coaches back in probably like 2017, 2018, my eye was, well, I just want to like get on a coaching staff or something like that, do some analytics for maybe Wisconsin. And I did some scouting for Wisconsin. I did some, yeah, (laughs) I did some, I knew you, I knew that was coming, (laughs) (laughs) but, but I did some scouting for Wisconsin and a a couple other teams. And I kind of came to the realization that I was kind of being, you know, bang for the buck. It wasn't worth my time. Um, I was kind of getting paid like a glorified paper boy. And so I just kind of backed off away from it. It was it was causing me to almost resent what I was doing. And I said, you know, what I like to do, I love to run the website. I love to just kind of interact with people on Twitter. Um, a lot of people call me a natural extrovert. I'm kind of a half and half. But um, <laughs> the, the, the the part that I really love to do is is interact with college basketball fans. And, and so as time went along, I kind of gravitated away from, you know, the, it seems to me like I gravitated away from the college basketball side and I found myself more kind of on the gambling side of that line. Whereas I feel like a lot of these, the more known analytics sites are kind of leaning on the college basketball side. I kind of feel like I'm kind of got a foot in the gambling side (laughs) and I kind of had an idea that, you know, I was there when I had people reaching out to me and saying, you know, D- do you realize sometimes that the line starts at Pomeroy and gravitates toward you? You ever notice that? And I was like, <laughs> well, I have. And, but I'm like, at the time, I'm like, I have no proof of that. It might have just been a couple of games. Um, they'd be like, huh, oh, that's interesting. It started at here and it comes toward me. And then I see it starts here and it comes toward me. Um, so I don't know. Um, how how popular it is for sure. I mean, I see the following of the people that I have and there's a mixture, but it just seems to me like these days, it's much more of the the gambling crowd that is the followers as opposed to the college basketball crowd. Not to say there's anything wrong with one way or another. It's just kind of one of the, the things I've noticed over time.
1: <laughs> how, many, how many times per day do you get a gambler that slides into your
0: DMs asking for projections or whatever it may be? My DMs are not open to people that I don't follow, so that's the first thing, but... (laughs) Um, every so often, I'm going to get a question from different people, and some people are just discovering my site for the first time, and they're asking the the, the same questions that other people have asked, and I'm used to, you know, the, if you ever seen my projections at the bottom of my page, I have star ratings, and I have green outlines, and, and it's probably, you know, a, a few to, a dozen times a year where someone says, what's the green, what's the stars, and they're discovering the site, and they're curious, and I have no problem answering that question because it's, you know, I, again, like I said, I like interacting with people um but it's um for the most part i just see people referencing it quite a bit um i'm glad it, i like to keep it free as i've always said the best party is a free party in my opinion i've all, i've had people say well, could you monetize it and then i said what what for i mean i i enjoy what i do it's a hobby of mine i have a good job and we've talked about this before i'm an engineer by trade um so that kind of pays the bills and i can kind of keep this as a hobby and if it's a means of kind of keeping my fingers in the pie, the college basketball pie, and the gambling pie, so be it. It's a lot of fun.
1: And Eric hasn't gone tout yet. If you don't get that reference, then you (laughs) maybe don't understand the betting space. (laughs) But So just a little nugget there. But Eric, looking at a team you mentioned from the get-go, some of the metrics that go into Haslam metrics, and one of them was second-chance points off of, offensive rebounds, and, and mm-hmm. UConn is one of the better teams in that regard. You have Adama Sinogo up front. You have mm-hmm. Donovan Klingon. Even going back to last year, the Huskies generated an upper-tier offensive rebounding percentage across college basketball. So when you look at a team like UConn that some can make the case were underseeded after getting some negative variants in that Big East tournament semifinal, we were going back and forth not Aggressively, You're not a, you know, you're not one of those people. I'm not one of those people. We like each other. So yeah. we like to keep it, you know, calm and civil. Yeah. But what's your perception of the Huskies in a loaded West region, especially because of that stat or metric that I mentioned?
0: They're my team. They are my team to go all the way. I am picking them. And the reason why I'm picking them, and I'm I'm not 100% sure about this, but the reason why is because if, if you go back, Looking at all the seasons that I've covered college basketball going back to 2014-2015, um, the the common fingerprint of a national champion in offensive and defensive efficiency is top 10 in offensive efficiency, top 35 in defensive efficiency. If you look at what you got this year, there are three teams right now that qualify for that. One of them is Purdue, one of them is Houston, and the other one is, surprisingly, UConn. Um, there is a fourth that's borderline, 36th in defensive efficiency, and that's Arizona, um, so if I have to pick something of one of these teams, I try to pick apart like which of these has all the characteristics that I really want out of a champion. Now Houston, you know, I I like Houston a lot. My daughter likes Houston a lot. But you know, is the is the injury situation with Sasser going to be a problem long term? That I don't know. That makes me a little bit nervous. Purdue makes me nervous. Not only are they snake bitten time and time again under Matt Painter. But you're you get you got those freshman guards who granted have overperformed but putting those guys under the hot lights in March is a different story than playing in a regular season whereas it feels to me like Connecticut has kind of a little bit of everything the, the every you, you have that alpha in Sanogo um, when it comes to shooting none of the three teams have that elite shooting that I'm looking for but Connecticut's is right up there and they' and they're fine um, good enough I think you know I uh, if you wanted to extend that down, um, like I said, the top 36, Arizona is a legitimate champion potentially. Um, and and they have the shooting ability, but, you know, something about Arizona doesn't feel right either. So this is going to be a very odd year. Um, I I don't feel 100% confident in UConn, obviously, even going to the first game we're playing against Patino and Iona. <laughs> um, but still, when you look at those characteristics of a champion, UConn is one of three teams that has it. See, my concern
1: with the Huskies, and I was bullish on this UConn team, even going back to last year. I bet a UConn future and then to win it all last season, 2021-2022, college basketball campaign, and I also bet UConn to win it all during the PK-85 before they knocked off Iowa State in the PK-85 championship game, but they rank number 234. This is my concern with the Huskies, not only UConn, but also Purdue and Arizona, so three teams... That you mentioned there, turnover percentage. UConn ranks, again, bottom, what, bottom 130-ish in turnover percentage across college basketball. Tristan Newton has gotten a little bit better in that department, but still struggles with turnovers, especially against teams that apply. Ball pressure. Andre Jackson is Jekyll and Hyde, in a sense, (laughs) when it comes to turnovers because he makes those ridiculous cross-court passes, whether it's to – Calcaterra or Jordan Hawkins for a three. And then he can give you the transition turnover where you kind of needs a bucket uh, out of fast break opportunity. So I, uh, and also Diara, the transfer off the bench can accrue his fair share of turnovers too. So no go as well. You mentioned him having that elite mm-hmm. post player, but He struggles with post traps still at this point in this career. Not to say that there aren't other bigs that do so, but that's my problem with UConn. And I'm not smushing the pick because, again, I have a future on Mm -hmm. them. I just don't like a team that, again, isn't necessarily guard-oriented, but to that point they don't have a true takeover point guard that could score in isolation, let alone a guard, a point guard that doesn't have turnover problems. Yeah.
0: And, 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 you know, it's just, there's no perfect storm for a team last year or this year compared to like a team, like, I think like Kansas who won it last year, it had that perfect storm. It had everything you're looking for. And when we were talking about the turnovers. You mentioned the three teams that left the, the one team out and that was Houston. Um, My right. concern were like, so that leaves Houston and say, well, could you go with Houston? If Sasser's healthy, would you go with Houston? Um, My concern with Houston is I have a rating behind the scenes called the paper tiger factor which looks and says how you perform.
1: People have um, stolen that, by the way. People have stolen that from you.
0: I just want to throw that yeah. out there. Yeah, and I looked at that, and that's not even published on the website, but I published that especially for this. I even had a request from a guy saying, hey, you put Paper Tiger Factor out there like a month ago. Could you do it for the tournament? And I took the <laughs> 68 teams. I put the – they play versus the best Probably versus a the better, stronger. But, and and they play better versus the weaker teams. They're like second of all the, the 68 teams. And that right. doesn't necessarily mean that you're bad against good teams. That just means that you ballooned your rating by beating up on bottom feeders. And that I mean, if you look at what Houston did, it's very true. You can go to my site. You can do the sortable schedule and sort the ratings in the far right column. And then what comes to the top, you're going to see teams probably in that two 300 range where they had their best performances. Then you go to the very bottom and the worst performances were against some pretty legit competition. See, I go back and forth and it's a
1: great conversation point I go back and forth on the Cougars strength of schedule because you go back to non-conference play and they face some upper echelon teams like Virginia even though the Hoos are flawed in their own right even though they have a you know a better much better defense than they had last season and they have more three-point shooting but coming from a weaker conference so therefore a weaker strength of schedule which you brought up with the Cougars but Houston wanted to face upper-tier competition in non-conference play. It just teams didn't want to play them because right. they typically do have that upper echelon defense. But, to your point, Houston still has a very good defense. But if you look at conference play, they're a rounder just outside of the top 20 in adjusted defensive efficiency, which isn't normal for a Calvin Sampson-led team. Mm-hmm. And what I go back to is... They don't have that elite defensive wing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Maybe I'm coughing up a storm about the Houston <laughs> Cougars defense like Taz Moore last season. Yeah.
0: Um The thing I, I I just, you know, I look at all these three teams that we were talking about, the, the Purdue and the UConn and the Houston. And I just, you know, it, it feels to me like that Houston team is going to be susceptible. And I, you know, I look at that second round matchup that they got potentially against Iowa or Auburn. And Auburn is hit or miss. And I'm like, Auburn would be that team. Yeah. They're not quite as bad as that South Carolina team that went to the final four, but it would be just like Auburn to make that run. And that was kind of the the, the team that I thought of coming into the tournament. I said, watch Auburn. I don't know if I said Alabama before. If I did, I meant to say Auburn. Um, but if Auburn, you know, I, I kind of thought that SEC tournament, they wouldn't perform real well. And I said, watch, they'll all of a sudden go all the way to the final four um, I could definitely see it happening. I, I I can't really see Iowa coming out of the game. There, you talk about a team who's sna- who's snake bitten. You know, McCaffrey can't do anything right in the tournament. <laughs> but I, I I look at this now, so I'm looking if who's going to be that first number one out. If I got to go down the list, I could probably got to pick Houston. But you know, that's that's just my take on the matter. I just look at at that Auburn team as being the team that's going to probably come out of nowhere. And people write them off and say, ah, they're kind of mid. And then all of a sudden, they're going to knock off a one seed. They have the talent to do it, but can it come together at the right time?
1: See, I like Auburn just from that potential high variance standpoint. But the team I bet to make the Final Four a long shot bet late Sunday night was Arkansas. To me, the <laughs> Hogs, and you have them, I think, five spots below Auburn in your ratings, but your projected spread for that game, or your projection, I don't necessarily want to yeah. say your projected spread, is Arkansas by around three. Again, still annoying the first round. That currently that spread is currently sitting at around Arkansas minus one and a half. So we saw some Illini money come in on Tuesday afternoon, but I still like the Hogs in that game. I Again, I have that Arkansas ticket to come out of the West region at around 20-1, to one. and you think about the one seed, because you brought this up, who's the first number one seed to go down? And to me, it's it's Kansas, especially mm-hmm. if they get Arkansas in that second round, because one of the variables that I look at for the Jayhawks is close game luck, and 11 wins by two possessions. When you think about whether it's your site, Kempom, Torvik, shot quality, whatever it may be, when a team gets some of those wins, it by nature, like whether it's close game or not drives up their rating a little bit, but then you look at uh, metrics like luck factor, or if you want to call it a metric or not, like that stuff matters a lot. And Mm -hmm. Kansas has gotten fortunate in late game situations where it's driven up their rating a bit too much for my liking.
0: Yeah. I I think that's kind of a very similar matchup to looking at like a potential Auburn Houston matchup. Arkansas. I've talked about two teams, and I, what I like to do is when you're picking your final four, I'm looking for that one team that I talked about with the top 10 and top 35. And then I'm trying to ch- probably squeeze another team like that in there. And then you look at probably someone on the – so what I want to have is you want to have two uh, a one seed, a one or a two, somewhere right around a three and a four is the third team, and then somebody else who either has a complete alpha, mid-major – I'm thinking Cam Crutwig, or somebody who has had talent all year who has not met um, their ceiling until March. it's think North Carolina last year. So who would be the North Carolina this year? I thought of two teams, Arkansas and, and Kentucky. Now Kentucky has shown glimpses that they are that they are you know kind of there that they have a they have a pulse. Arkansas. Hasn't, didn't have a pulse. And then I thought for a second, okay, here they come. The must boss is finally on track. They're going to get to like a <laughs> six line or a five line. And they just kind of petered out into the, into the eight line. But when you look at the talent that they have on paper, coming into the season, they have more talent than, than Kentucky does. Now, granted, you don't have Brazil. He was supposed to be there. He got hurt and he's out, right. but getting Nick Smith back was a big, was a big deal. And I, I still think that's a very, very dangerous Arkansas team. And I think that's probably right there along the lines of either Auburn or Iowa upsetting Houston. I think Arkansas is going to be very, very dangerous for Kansas.
1: There we go. So a couple heads between Eric and I like Arkansas to make a bit of a run, potentially. And just to correct me if I'm wrong here, but you did not have the Hogs making it out of that region in your
0: own personal bracket, right? I did not because I did not want to go too aggressive. I, so I, I, I ended up. You know, so I kind of tried to. The way it worked out is I ended up getting Texas out of the out of the Midwest, and I kind of wanted to, get, to maybe get an easier path for for UConn. And um, well, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it doesn't matter if I would have picked Arkansas or not. But I have UConn winning that game, so it doesn't really matter. Um, past that that Sweet Sixteen, I guess I theoretically could pick, pick Arkansas for that game. Um, but in that case, I just kind of... Am I getting to you to change aggressive. your mind here on the spot? Well, I don't know. I, I, I <laughs> kind of hedge. I, I don't like taking um, two number ones out of the equation going into the second weekend. I've got Alabama... But this would be the year to teams. do it. It probably would. It, everybody says every year that there's so much parity, but this year it really <laughs> feels like it's the case. Um, it's it. There is just... I, I can't put my finger on it. I'm sure I could probably do some analytics and kick out something to back my theory, but it just feels to me, like I said, there's, this is the year where you're going to probably get instead of a one, a one, a two and a four, you're probably going to get like a, a two, a five, a six and a 10 or something like that. Or an eight or so an much? eight with Arkansas or, or an eight with Arkansas. Right.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask you to give me a pig suey, but since you didn't pick the hogs <laughs> in, in your bracket,
0: I got I- enough Arkansas fans giving me hell on Twitter. <laughs>
1: I got to tell always, you, man, the worst fan base for me, and I'm curious about it for you. This is a, a question I just thought of here right now. What is the worst fan base that comes after you? For me, it's Purdue. You know my Purdue hatred oh, after. I,
0: I love Purdue fans. And you know, the reason I love <laughs> Purdue fans is because they're so e- you can razz them so easily. So all you have to do <laughs> with Purdue fans is say, guys, Matt Painter's going to the final four. It's 100% lock. I guarantee it. <laughs> And every single Purdue fan comes out of the woodwork, Haslam, I'm going to kill you. Because everything, <laughs> they're so superstitious, and I can't help myself. I have to push that button all day long. Um, so actually, of all the fans, Purdue fans are, are really a lot of fun for me. You know, when it comes to, like, the fan bases, I, I don't typically, it kind of rotates a little bit. I would say that the, the the worst fan base is whoever decides to come after me on Selection Sunday when I decide to exclude their team from the 68. <laughs> um I want to say it was NC State this uh, this Ooh. past Sunday. They didn't they didn't like me too much because I had NC State out. But that it was it was Utah State, I think, the year before. I can't remember. No, it was Utah State or Boise State. I can't remember which. But you no, know, it's for the most part. Um, what I find is that most people kind of understand my humor and have a lot of fun with it. I'm never terribly serious. Um, I I just kind of want to have a fun a lot of fun. I poke at fun at my own team. I make fun of Wisconsin nonstop. Why shouldn't I? Um, it's, you know, but you're always going to have homers that come out and they're going to, you know, try to, you know, cherry pick any fact to, to, to support their team. And I appreciate that. But for me, I just kind of say, ah, I just want to keep it light. I think everybody should be, um, you know, to a certain degree have be poked fun at any team in college basketball.
1: Not to put you on the spot again, but I am going to going back to the 2015 national championship game. Where Wisconsin, you can make the argument that should have won that game. Do you think? Do you believe in any conspiracy theories when it comes to Coach K getting his final ring?
0: No, it was it it, it it was unfortunate because it was it was the equivalent of you know Wisconsin beating Kentucky and then losing to Duke was like the the eighty hockey team beating the Soviets and then losing to Finland in the gold medal game. Of course, you bring that that's kind of, that's the kind of the way it felt for me, but no, going back and watching that game, it was you know it was just, it just wasn't to be. I mean, um, I I didn't think there was any sort of conspiracy. It just for me, it just felt like um, the, you know they had the opportunity, they blew it. Um, I I never really blamed. I'm not one to blame officials ever. So um, I I'm, I've always come from the camp of oh you know, referee screwed us at the buzzer my My response is well, you had thirty nine and a half minutes to do something about it before then why didn't you do something <laughs> about it then? and what so that's always my my approach to the matter. but uh well to be no, fair kinda, Duke had yeah. a freshman
1: Grace and allen so grace I mean, make I, the case that no that Duke should have been excluded booted from the title game because they had yeah. Grayson allen
0: and he killed us. he was the one that came out of nowhere and scored yeah. like what eight unanswered and the Badgers had like a ten point lead and and Grace and allen singlehandedly erased it. Um, it was, it was unfortunate, but you know, it, it was, it was, a, there was a fun run for the Badgers those two years. Um, um, I kind of miss it. I, you know, it's, we, we just have not been able to get the recruits, um, that we need and the team that the, the general talent of the team seems to decline a little bit. So, um, you know, hopefully they'll be able to turn things around sooner than later.
1: Well, I hope not because I, <laughs> I personally enjoy watching Chucky e. Hepburn pull-ups in the half court either bricking or somebody else. Oh, it's it's not just Chucky Hepburn, man. It is watching Stephen Crowell brick bricking threes, possession oh after possession after possession. And by the way, going back to the Duke-Wisconsin game, that game was priced at around Wisconsin minus one, PK at, at other books. So if you bet Wisconsin, like, Eric, did you bet that game? I did not. Okay, so no. you stayed away. It's good for you. I'm proud of you there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I was not much into, I, at that point I was probably just in the, uh, Haslametrics. I think that was the first year of Haslametrics. So I was not really into the gambling realm, so to speak at that point. It was, um, I was just kind of starting out doing that. So I, I was not really getting into the whole gambling thing that, that took a few years, but, uh, yeah, that was, that that was a tough year.
1: (laughs) So to leave people with a high note, because we've, uh, disgraced them a bit with our Wisconsin basketball conversation Is there any (laughs) nugget that we haven't discussed yet for a team or for your bracket or profile-wise in general from what you expect in the big dance that sticks out?
0: Well, a few things that I always like to think of is I always try to avoid those Ohio State teams of the past, the ones that lost to Oral Roberts, the ones who were exceptional on offense and really aren't worth a damn defensively. And a few of them I've, I've identified. I think Providence qualifies, Baylor qualifies, and the king of qualifiers is Miami. And the thing that I've always pinpointed is looking for, you want to look for those mid-majors if you're looking for 12s and 13s who are going to get past the first round. You want some momentum, and you want defense. Offense wins championships, but defense wins those upsets on the 12-5 round. That's why that that Miami-Drake game is screaming at me to take Drake in that one. Um, I'm all over that, of course as anybody who knows me on Twitter knows about the hashtag kiss of death. So you you know now that Miami's going to win that game about 96 to 42. Um, but no, when I look at the raw numbers, everything screams Drake in that game.
1: Well, it's interesting, and I'll have a piece up by the time this video is up over at thelines.com. It's a great transition point here to wrap up because I did an interview with a couple different bookmakers, and you go back maybe – Five or six years ago, that line, even with Omir questionable, Miami's big, is probably mm-hmm. Miami minus four and a half, Miami minus five. And right. granted, it opened up at around Miami minus three, minus three and a half, but it's down to two, two and a half at some spots. So you're definitely seeing books adjust, whether it's, again, because of public perception of underdogs having success on the 12 and 13 line, especially in the last, again, five, six years, last decade, or your projections and other sites like Kempom and Torvik, because like we kind of go in full full circle from the get-go when we first started, your analytics sites are becoming much more normalized in the betting sphere
0: yeah absolutely and i've I've always cautioned people and i've you know i'm i think a lot of analytics guys or metrics guys really go all in on the science i'm all about a mixture of science and and philosophy i think it's very important to keep the philosophical element in it and there are some people who say are you going to bet this game just based on your on your lines i'm like absolutely (laughs) not i said there's certain elements that i can't capture i have certain people reaching out to me today about the the playing game saying hey are you factoring in this this one player being out, and I said, no, I treat I treat teams holistically. i I don't treat them as a sum of the parts. So I'm like, this is gonna be evidence in a crime scene, as I like to say, but it's not gonna be an open and shut case. I always say what I like to do is I like to look at my analytics. I like to bounce them off. People are kind of taking a shot of using their eyes as well. I'm going to watch games all the time as well. But I, I'm going to rely on different opinions and say, okay, they see something. They see something. I see the same thing with my numbers. I'm more likely to attack that than just to blindly just follow my analytics wherever they tell me to go.
1: Makes a ton of sense and a fantastic conversation with the one and only. And probably, you know, you called yourself a half and half introvert, I would say you are anything but an introvert considering some of these, and I'm not calling them out, but you know, some of the metrics guys like to stay behind the scenes, but you, and that's not a bad thing, but you came out, do the podcast. You do a bunch of other media hits and it's fantastic information for betters and just college basketball fans. So be sure to follow Eric on Twitter at Haslametrics. Check out his site as well. Haslametrics.com. One of the best people, not only, advanced metrics tools to use, whether you're a better or again, just curious about some of the profiles of these teams in the big dance, but really important information to check out. So be sure to do, do so at Haslametrics over at Haslametrics.com. Thank you so much for the time tonight, Eric. I really appreciate it.
0: I appreciate the conversation, my friend.
1: And be sure if you want to check out more at the lines.com, you could do so as well as digging into our other tools and prizes and contests as well over at play.thelines.com and make sure to subscribe and listen to outside shots on apple or wherever you find your favorite podcasts as i did a big time bracket preview with shot qualities justin perry late sunday night that's in your podcast file studio i guess whatever you want to call it if you want to take a listen thanks so much for checking us out at eli Herskovich on twitter at the lines us so long everybody